This episode is brought to you by Gamefly, the best way to rent or buy your favorite games. Listen! Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. My name is Philip Mewson, and today I am joined by Per Schneider, hey. Brian Altano, and Zach Ryan. What's up? What's up? How's everyone doing this week? Good. Pretty good. I got hunger. I'm hungry. I'm yeah. hungry. I didn't have lunch, and I was sick last week, but the hell's I wrong feel with better people? now. It's like yeah. 4 o'clock. You got to eat lunch? Meetings, meetings, meetings. Meetings, 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 meetings. Yeah, I feel like... Bring your, bring your lunch into the meeting. We're Zach little- had a scheduled a meeting with me over lunch. I well, didn't show up. <laughs> and then he didn't Sorry. Show up. No, like, he showed up. Okay, all right. Well, we're we're certainly not in any meetings right now. We've got a lot to talk about. There's been some big news dropping this week. I don't know if any of you guys have heard, but apparently there's some new Nintendo uh, stuff happening in the media. I like that you didn't call it hardware. Yeah. I don't, what I is mean, it? It's, we it's don't borderline soft, it's softwares. Softwares. It's soft hardware. It's soft hardware. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, yes, I'm sure many of you probably already know, Nintendo has officially announced Nintendo Labo, and it is their answer to, I guess, uh, edutainment, I guess is the word kind that people of, are using. Um, take that. Or yeah. Lego. Or Ki- no, Kiwi crates, like uh, the, the tinker, tinker crates, like the, okay. the little project. So, yeah. it's, so it's like cardboard paper craft, essentially. Yeah, it's it's hardware. Switch. Um, they're calling it... Uh, it looks like some real maker stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. called Nintendo Labo, but the yeah. actual kits themselves are, are Toy Cons, mm-hmm. which is... Yeah. I love that name. I'm mm-hmm. in love with it. I think it's a great name. Now, obviously, this isn't really aimed towards adults. Because uh, who says? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes, yes, yes. Um, I know that there are many adults out there that are very interested in this. Um, however, um, Nintendo has sort of said that this was aimed towards a younger audience, that adults could also play with it as well or play with their children with this product, but it is primarily, I guess, aimed towards a younger audience. However, a lot of us here think it looks quite fun. Yep. Um, yeah, their, their messaging initially was uh, for the young and young at heart. Right? Young and young at so heart. So we... we we're sort of anticipating that it would be some kind of peripheral. Um, I don't think any of us had any idea that it would be this. Right. It's definitely Could, a peripheral. Couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't have predicted fact. it. I thought yeah. that was really smart that they said that because it lowered expectations from people saying, where's Metroid, where's Metroid, right? Like, I mean, want people to were see, still saying that. But. No, but people wanted – you instantly say, hey, it's not going to be this. Right. And then you show it and it actually, actually becomes a pleasant surprise because it is so freaking creative and awesome and like – I, I love it when Nintendo does something that I couldn't have possibly predicted. Yep. And this yeah. is this was one of those things. This is something that I don't think anybody really saw coming. Yeah, and I mean, like some of their strangest inventions in history. Once again, we've said this on the show a million times. They are a weird old hundred plus year old toy company that makes strange moves and does cool stuff. Yeah. But uh this is actually kind of mirrored in stuff they did in the past. A Twitter user yesterday brought up papercraft houses and cars that they put together as part of toy kits in the late seventies, which means they've always sort of done stuff like that. <laughs> I specifically made an R-Wing out of papercraft that I got in Nintendo Power during a special issue oh. back in the 90s. Like, this is something that fits with them. Nintendo and papercraft actually goes really hand-in-hand hand on the internet as well, and this is really cool because it's kind of moving people towards a more tangible side of stuff that video games historically move you away from. Like, it, video games keep you from making art and building and, and creating, so uh, this is really smart. In hindsight, I mean, it totally fits with Nintendo's MO. They've created Created add-ons with great success in the past, from like the little steering wheel holders for Mario Kart, right, mm-hmm. with the Wii, Wii remote in the past, to like the 
the uh, remember the uh, the love tester and the the hand, the grabber hand, the extending grabber hand. That was a Nintendo invention. Yeah, like, yeah. I'd love to see them do this in cardboard and and bring this this stuff back. I, I just think it's so creative. I just wonder where it came from. Whether they whether they looked at the kind of like the Tinker Crate and loot box, uh, uh, not not the in-game ones, the uh, you know the like the loot crate market, and said, hey, we need to have something like that, like a tangible product that can come out every couple of months, and like uh, uh, kids can, can build stuff. Or I, I don't know where it came from. I have um, I kickstarted U uh, Gears. Have you ever heard U Gears? No. It's a Russian. Um, they like kind of like these wooden kind of press board constructions like you push out the pieces and then without glue put together these really elaborate structures and like they made um they made like a, a little toy locomotive they made a hurdy-gurdy i have the hurdy-gurdy yep. yeah the instrument like everybody loves hurdy-gurdies right yeah uh, or like a jewelry box with all these moving gears and like that's what this reminded me of but i guarantee you there was just somebody internally at nintendo who loves doing these crafts if you've ever been to a Japanese bookstore, they are like these little kits and things you can build. And he just uh, or she was super passionate for this and wanted to make this happen. And yeah, I think the um, the fact that and you hit it right there, like not having to use like glue or tape or anything like that. The fact that everything folds into each other is what makes this design so smart. Like in America, you might recognize stuff like this from Happy Meal boxes, yeah. Yeah. which we had in like the 80s. McDonald's and Nintendo partnered last year on a set of Happy Meal toys and stuff like that. Um, it's really cool to see see this come into fruition like this completely unexpected from Nintendo obviously although unexpected should be expected from them at this point yeah. um, and watching the sort of responses were great because most people totally got it and they were really positive about it and then there was this kind of like I don't know if you guys remember like Cinnamon Toast Crunch commercials in the 90s uh, it was all like adults can't see what makes Cinnamon Toast Crunch so good and the kids were like oh it's the swirls it's really good like it's delicious all these people yesterday were like I don't get it $80 for cardboard and it's like well they're not selling you cardboard yeah like it comes with the physical copy of a Switch game, which is what you buy when you buy Switch games. You might yeah. have seen that at every video game store. The cardboard's like 10 bucks. The props and everything are 10 bucks. Uh, what you're buying here is software that teaches you how to build it. It's got on-screen, like, uh, you know, sort of uh, instruction manuals that you rotate and, and, yeah. and scale the models and stuff like that. So it's really smart. I think that... Um, the sort of 3D uh, modeling community is going to jump on this. I think that the 3D printing community is going to jump on this. Uh, Tom Marks, who works here at IGN, already <laughs> built his own prototype yeah, of let's, it. Let's show this thing off real quick. <laughs> so this is our little like beta version of Nintendo Labo. The IGN Labo. Yeah, if you're, if you're you listening at home, we're holding a what looks like a like I don't know a cardboard pool cleaner. Yes, yeah. and a it sad works. cardboard cockroach yeah. with ears. Yeah, and then hooked up to the Joy Cons on the side, and then using the sort of find my Joy Cons tool that's baked in every switch you can vibrate the joy cons and it makes this terribly loud ringing noise and then the unit actually moves a little bit right we're gonna have to turn it back on you here to, you ready i'll vamp on the on right, tool already but anyway he basically there we go wow look at that amazing <laughs> incredible look at slow and rotates. it's off so that's the kind of experiences you can expect from nintendo labo uh this 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 april so <laughs> <laughs> Look for that. 
but 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 like so this design he copied one of the designs but there's some really complicated designs like when they pop open the robot backpack and you see all like the well the mechanics inside specifically uh keza mcdonald who writes for guardian uk used to write for ign kotaku a bunch of one of the best writers in the biz she did a piece on uh basically hands-on with this thing and talked about how the piano took something like two hours to build and uses pieces of reflective tape on the inside of it that when communicating with the uh, infrared camera on the sides of your Joy-Con, which you might remember using for the, I don't know, like the sandwich eating mini game yeah, yeah, in one yeah. two switch, right? The nang, 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 yeah, nang it can game. tell how close or far your mouth is <laughs> yeah. from, from the Joy-Con, which is weird. Uh, the reflective strips basically can bounce on and off using light and send a signal back to the Joy-Cons telling you which note you're pressing. Um, that can also tell velocity and stuff like that. If you ever played a piano, how hard you press a note, et cetera, determines the key and the sound it makes and stuff like that. On top of that, there's knobs on the side that you'll be able to interact with. And like you basically built a piano out of cardboard and strings and rubber bands. It's pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah, the, the trailer itself like showed a ton of different, uh, or not a ton, but there's like five different uh, toy cons that come with the variety pack. So there's going to be two packs uh, available on April 20th. That's the exact launch date. There's going to be the variety pack, which retails for $69.99, and then the robot kit, which retails for $79.99. Now, the variety pack is the one that comes with the five sets. So you get something like an RC car, a fishing rod, a house, a motorbike, and uh, the piano that Brian was talking about. But they're all, um, like, those seem like they're a little bit on the simpler side. Yeah. So, like, those those creations, like the piano you said takes two hours, but then something like um, the RC car, like that, might take just 15 minutes. Yeah, and I think what's cool is, like, the piano specifically, uh, the house... And some of the other ones have the motorcycle. They have effectively uh, built-in docking stations for the Switch. Mm-hmm. It won't charge your unit. The screen, but it, yeah. Yeah, it kind of turns it into an arcade cabinet, which, you know, begs the question, when will they make an arcade cabinet? Well, there was a, right. there was a fan-made one already, right? right? Like some people have pointed out that some fans had designed cardboard constructions that can hold the, uh, the screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a, I mean, that to me is a no-brainer. I think what we have yet to see more of is the, and understand more, is the software. Yeah. Right? Like is the... Uh, is the the motorbike thing is that like a mini excite bike or is it simpler than that like i got some real nintendo land vibes when i saw what looked like you know almost like project giant robot like right. if, if like that that kind of mini game brought back and like it was the uh, the kind of the frog piano from animal crossing like I'm hoping this is kind of like a Nintendo Land, like a theme thing, and Excite Bike is part of this or something. To me, like, it feels like a virtual know. successor to like Wii Play or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is a like a, a cheap dollar game connect. I don't want it to be generic. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But it did have a fishing game and I think a racing game and a yeah. couple other things. Well, I'd love for this to be a platform like you you buy in one time with the robot kit or you buy in one time with the variety kit and you get the software itself that updates as new Labo kits are made available, right? Yeah. So it's something like a one-time expenditure of $60 gets you the, the software itself and maybe there's DLC packs yep. down the line mm-hmm. that you can purchase for uh, for cheaper so that it sort of... Um, justifies the cost of paying 10 to $15 for these cardboard construction kits because they're probably going to all run about that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it was crazy to me to see the sort of disparity between the audience there are those of us that were really excited about it and like what an interesting concept like what a cool take on this and then like you were saying it's just like well that's just cardboard and it's like well it's obviously not just cardboard like they didn't yeah. just set a joycon on like, top of a pile dream, of cardboard. dream a little dude right and it's like that sort of thing like would you rather pay 30 to 40 dollars for a plastic version of the same thing that's not 
transmutable. Like yeah. it's it's like in the way you were talking about the the Mario Kart steering wheel, right? For the Wii, like that was a one time purchase that only did one thing, and it was just a hard plastic thirty dollar expansion that came with the game itself. Right. Yeah. Like in this case, it's. Ten to fifteen dollars for each iteration, but you could get three to four different uses out of it. You know, like, and, I, and you also can print out, right? You can yeah. print them out too. They yeah, can, uh, they, out I don't know if though if those templates are free. There was some disparity on that news story, but yeah. um, it looks like they will be available in some capacity. And I think what's exciting about that too is that what's stopping Nintendo from being like, "Hey, we're having an event at the mall." And you'll get a download code for a digital Labo game mm. and a piece of cardboard. And you go home and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have an arcade cabinet and a free game I got today at, at, at the mall. Yeah, I, like, I really like the idea of doing something like on the cheap where it's like, hey, we'll offer you Mario Versus mm-hmm. and give you the cardboard to build a micro cabinet. Right. And you just pop the Joy-Con off and set it up and it's in a vertical platform. Oh, that's a great idea. And then you're just playing with the Joy-Con on a stand that you yep. built. Like and, that that's such an easy win and such an interesting way to display that product. Maybe the template for the original arcade cra- cabinet's graphics on the side, right? Don't like even you can start do with so me. much cool mm-hmm. stuff oh, with that's that. that's so cool. Like so I showed this trailer to my kids when I got home. Like I saw it I was watching it here. I was in a meeting, got out, a couple of people watching it, and they're like, oh, you got to see this. And like halfway through, I'm like, what were they smoking? And then it says release date, 420. Yeah. Ah, like, it nice. couldn't be more perfect. And they're like, oh, you knew this. <laughs> I showed it to my kids at home. They made the same joke, by the way. Uh, I, show, I showed it to... It's Marin Cap. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, uh, birthplace of 420. Um, I showed it to them, and they were instantly sold like the the moment the first things folded together they're like we're gonna get this right mm-hmm. and then it got to the robot backpack and they're like holy crap like so that I'm, was the thing that completely sold them on it you told me this story this yeah. morning and i think that the most shocking part about that story is that your kids still have to ask if you're gonna buy a nintendo product they, like they did i feel like that's such a like a crazy question for your kids to be like dad are we gonna they, get this because like yeah house yeah, of, of a thousand joy cons over there <laughs> no i think they get ner- i think they get nervous like look i pre-ordered the thing immediately but like i think they get nervous and then with a product like this they're like wait what if dad's gonna build it and we don't get to build it i think that's more what it's about like they're worried dude i got that big ucs millennium falcon the biggest lego set ever and they're like sitting there crying because i was building it myself yeah get away kids (laughs) this this is dad's it wasn't quite that bad, that's but they—they were a little miffed, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. you know, it's expensive. I can understand. As a kid, as a kid that, that grew up on Lego and grew up on Connects uh, and Tinker Toys, like I, the idea of putting together something as involved and tangible and. Uh, gigantic as this robot structure like when they popped off the backpack (laughs) and it took me a while to puzzle it out because at first i thought it was all based on joy-con movement like oh these joy-con can just read how you're moving your body like positional tracking (laughs) well that's what that's what it like it's actually the infrared that's tracking you know like they pop it off and you see the four white lines moving across the and it's like oh there those joy-con are tracking where that is in in that space to tell the game where your bot, where your limbs yeah. are, it's pretty insane. And it's, well, the one so, and it's built out of cardboard, like yeah. it's insane. It's like it's levers and pulleys and knobs and switches, and you they open up the panel in the trailer just to sort of be like, look, and it's like you built a Gundam, dude. It's like, this crazy I, blend of like traditional, like tangible toy building and mechanics. video games. Like, yeah, it, yeah. it's and, and then working around the limitations, right? That only one Joy-Con has the sensor and all right. that. Like that, I think whenever Nintendo has a limitation, they get super creative. And that's where, as a as an adult, what really interests me is not the what 
how am I going to play with this weird uh, RC car? But more like, how did they do this? How did they right. come up with it? How did the mechanics work? I want to see inside. And like it's, the piano, once I realized it was using the IR sensor to measure it, I'm like, that's freaking brilliant. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible that they made full use of like yeah. all of the Joy-Cons features, everything from the IR sensor to like the HD rumble itself. Um, the, like when I first saw that robot thing, I was certain that he had a Joy-Con or the kid had a Joy-Con on his left foot, on his right, right foot, right. on each arm. But you're right. As soon as they like lifted that um, <laughs> backpack and you could see what was inside, um, it it almost blew my mind with how it actually works. Because I feel like any other company would have went a different route. Like mm-hmm. they wouldn't have gone down like this left road sort of way of handling things. But in a way, it's a beautiful way to do it. We would I, talk- I think that it scales yeah. too, right? Yeah, like it it's does. like I think that that given watching that trailer three or four times, it seems to me like you can operate that system with one set of Joy-Con, but if you have more, you can build out for specificity, right? Like, I think that it's... it's, Possibly, yeah. Yeah, like, almost an iterative thing. Almost modular, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's where it starts to get dicey for me because, like, everyone's looking at this like, oh, it's cheap and it's accessible, and it's like, well, it's not because it's $300 for a Nintendo Switch. Right off the bat, mm-hmm. yeah, if you don't course. live in the house of a thousand yeah. Joy-Con like Pear does, you have <laughs> to go. So you have to go buy Joy-Con. extra Joy-Con. They're eighty <laughs> bucks a pair, so it starts to stack up a little bit. But I think the weird thing is here is like we talked about the Wii Wheel. Uh, there was a company, <laughs> remember that thing? Yeah, there was yeah, a, yeah the Wii Wheel. The Wii Wheel. There was a company um, out of Brooklyn a couple years ago that was at every E3 during like the Wii era and they just made the cheapest peripherals and they were like they didn't even hide it they were just like look we're this, we're cashing in like we don't even know anything about video games we're just doing this yeah. like they made an inflatable cart for Mario Kart to for you to play in and stuff like that yeah, they made really. fishing rods and all this crap those were made of plastic those were like 20 30 bucks a piece somehow those look cheaper than stuff that's made of cardboard. Because of the elegance. Yeah. You know? Like you just kind of see the elegance of this construction. But I, you guys are th- uh, were mentioning like where where is this going to go? Just imagine a Labo kit that's Mario Party where you build a board. Right. And you build the little figures and you color it all. And then you literally have the board game part as part of Labo and you have your screen there and play with Joy-Con. Like there's yeah. so yeah. many things they could do with it. See, I'm so interested in... in the integration of their bigger brands, their bigger franchises, because to me, it seems like it would be two completely separate, two completely separate products for separate demographics. I right? think and I think it's cool if they make it an option. Like for instance, if we ever get a Luigi's Mansion game on Switch, I think it would be cool to have like a Poltergust <laughs> five thousand. Oh my god, Labo. that's a great idea. You know what I mean? We already Even got the just, backpack. Yeah, yeah, or a Mario Sunshine like you know type of yep. Yep. Back, check this out. thing. Yeah, get the house. Color it like Luigi's Mansion. You're already halfway there. Mm-hmm. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think, just need the software. <laughs> yeah. I think what's interesting about this is that it doesn't seem to be happening sort of at the regret of some of their bigger AAA franchises. Like this is their wave two movement to attract a blue ocean of new consumers. Last year we saw hardcore gamers grab Mario and Zelda and all the other games, you know, the Doom and stuff like that. Uh, this year I think. You'll continue to see that, but you'll also get to see a new wave of people come in and buy a Nintendo Switch. And it's it's really smart. It doesn't seem like this is going to cannibalize the next Zelda game or the next Mario game. This will work in synchronicity with those things. Right. Yeah. Like Nintendo has gone out and basically said that um, this is to reach a broader audience, yeah. essentially. Like they, the Switch is selling 
like astronomically well right now um, all over the world. Mm-hmm. So they're not too worried about capturing, I think, the, the core gamers. Um, yeah, we're in. Yeah, you know? we're here. Yeah, we've been on this boat. But I mean, at the same time, they still want to widen their, their audience, make it a little bit broader. And I think that this is the perfect um, barrier to, uh, of entry to break through. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah, 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 well said. Such yeah. a great idea. I also think that it's crazy that it, how well it showcases every single, I know you touched on this, Phil, but like every yeah. single feature of the, the Joy-Con. Yeah. Because I remember at the launch event or at the reveal event back January, this time last year, um, they spent a lot of time talking about it, all the things that the Joy-Con could do. And I was like, who, who cares? Like, yeah, I want to know, about, I wanna know about how I'm implementing this in the game. I want to know about how I'm like, what this means for me as the player, not necessarily like all the like ticks and tricks that it can do. Right. Um, th- the amount that, that Labo uses every single facet of that Joy-Con is insane. Like, I was sold at, from the outset, but when I watched the guy control a little, you know, like Tom Marx's contraption here, <laughs> like control like an RC car that was moving on vibration, it's just like, that is nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, I love. What it. is this? What should we should, should we name this thing? Is this the, the MarxCon two thousand? Yeah, the MarxCon two thousand kind of looks like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, yeah, it's a little weird. Weird. Now we have to reiterate <laughs> that is not actually a Labo kit. No, no, no it's no. not. That's, no. that's no. made from scratch. This episode is brought to you by Gamefly, the best way to rent or buy your favorite games. It's gotten increasingly difficult to try games before you buy them, but Gamefly lets you take your pick from a library of over 9,000 titles, including the biggest new releases like Super Mario Odyssey, NBA 2K18, Fire Emblem Warriors, and many, many more. Gamefly will ship these games to you, and you can keep them as long as you want. There are no late fees or due dates, and shipping is always free. This breaks down to as little as 54 cents a day. So ask yourself, how many moons can you find in Super Mario Odyssey for 54 cents a day? Oh, and you don't even have to leave the house. The games come right to you. And hey, they rent movies too. Normally, a Gamefly trial lets you only check out one game at a time, but if you head to Gamefly.com slash voice chat, you can sign up for a free premium 30-day trial that lets you check out two games or movies at a time. Try it out today at Gamefly.com slash voice chat. Yeah. Um, we forgot to mention that the uh, the robot thing is actually a resurrected version of Miyamoto's yeah, which was officially canceled last February. You guys mm-hmm. know that Nintendo was actually like this is canceled, <clears throat> and no, it's not. <laughs> it's maybe, back. Yeah, maybe they they salvage parts. It's it's hard to tell sometimes, well, right? Sometimes they they they're in love with uh, a character or an idea, and maybe the gameplay is completely different. We don't mm-hmm. know yet. But how many times have we talked on this podcast about how no Nintendo idea ever really goes away? Yeah, yeah. it's just put in a vault until they're ready to talk about it later, yeah. right? Like, like one thousand Mario's, right? Like yeah, that demo where they showed all the little Mario's running around, and suddenly you've got Mario splitting into multiples, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I still feel like yeah, that. Like the one hundred Mario's became Pikmin. Yeah, no, yeah. that's right. They, they talked about that. The, yep. the dynamic of the characters moving mm-hmm. was used for Pikmin. Zach, um, I know you had mentioned that the one of the peripherals or one of the toy cons that they showed in the video was like a camera type thing, and I think you had said something like that would be really cool for like Pokemon Snap mm-hmm. if that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see them implementing something like that um, in the future, like making it an option. But having a camera. Um, that you can actually like insert a Joy-Con into the lens and then another one to uh, kind of hold and click the trigger. Um, I w- 
during that video, I paused it and rewound it so many times to watch that over and over again to study it, try and figure out like how could this possibly work? Watching you, <laughs> yeah. watching you watch the videos has was been one of my favorite things like since your arrival because like you kept pausing the video and it, like he was like, look, look at these white strips. It's, Those are infrared strips. He's so like smart. freaking it's out. Like, yeah. like, it's like right. Jack. It's, it's Jack Skellington trying to figure out Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> what does it? What does how it does mean? this work? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the camera is shown for a few seconds in the thing, right? I don't think it comes with any of these kits. It's it's part of their sort of like rundown of like weird future peripherals. And one of them is yeah. a like a swan that mm. you squeeze the wings on <laughs> yeah. and it just flaps its wings. Um, but the camera, by twisting one Joy-Con in the front, like a zoom, uh, right? Can zoom. Yeah. And then by clicking, you take a picture and it's got the sort of viewfinder in, in the back with your switch screen. And it's just brilliant. Yeah. It's just so smart. And and yeah, I can't wait to see that get used. For was a bunch the of switch games. screen actually in the back of the camera? I think so. I was okay. sort of theorizing. It so that'll okay. be like an in-game view. Obviously, the switch doesn't have a camera, um, you know, so you you can't use it as a right. real camera. But like you, it, it can detect the motion then, and and like make you kind of look around in a virtual world. Right? Yep. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Yes. Yeah, really smart. Man, what a what a what a curveball. Yeah. Curveball. No, I mean, it's very, very interesting. Very cool stuff from Nintendo this week. It caught a lot of us by surprise, but I think for the most part, we're either excited, intrigued, or just plain old interested in yeah. what, what's happening right now in the current state of Nintendo. But um, yeah, we're going to take a quick break right now, and then we will be back very shortly uh, to talk more about some new releases and the big releases coming out this week on Switch. Here we go! Welcome back to part two of Nintendo Voice Chat. Thank you very much for waiting through that very small break. We're back now with Lily Zaldivar. Hi, close. You were so close. I tried. That time. I tried. It's a uh, Zaldivar. Zaldivar, or as you like to call me, Zanzibar. 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 Okay. Legend yeah. of Zaldivar. Yeah, Legend of Zaldivar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> Lily's subbing in for Pear real quick. Um, yeah, Pear had a meeting to get to, but. It's great to have you here, Lily. Yeah, and thanks as for always. having me again. Of course, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, we're going to just briefly run over some quick news and then talk about some new releases and what games we've been playing. But before we get into all of that stuff, did you guys hear that the Switch is selling three times faster? Or is apparently selling, yeah, three times faster than the PS4 in Japan. Yep. Which is I'm not surprised. It's crazy. I also read it's yeah. the fastest selling video game system of all time in Canada. Yeah, Canada. Canada. Go Canada. I'm, Go Canada. I'm honestly not surprised. Like, just with the amount of releases that are coming out every week, like, it's the perfect system uh, to take everywhere if you yeah. want to. Yeah. So course. I don't know why, like, this is a surprise. They're I'm also, so I think, proud. the big thing, too, is that you can actually buy one now, right? Like, that's that was a big They're struggle for, available. for yeah. half the system's life was just not knowing when and where you could get this thing. And uh, having availability at, towards the end of the year at the holidays was, was good news for them. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I think they're still banking on uh, releasing two of the best entries of the biggest franchises in gaming. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think they will continue to bank on that. Uh, I think that that playing to the nostalgia factor of Mario and Zelda is, is a key seller for the Switch. Yeah. And that people are going to see people playing Mario, uh, Super Mario Odyssey or Zelda out in the wild and be like, hey, what is that? Like, how do I play that as well? Yeah, weirdly though, that said, when you go into the eShop charts on the Switch every week, it's games like Stardew Valley, it's games like Rocket League, it's games like Minecraft that are, you know, some of them don't even have physical versions. They're like right. $20 digital games or whatever. Um, and they're actually 
selling better than the Mario's and the Zelda's are. So yeah. I think people are coming in the door for Mario and Zelda and they're staying for like the breadth of indie games and just cool downloadable content that's available on the system now. So well, it's, yeah. it's this really interesting dichotomy, right? Because on the one hand, you have a, a segment of, of gamers that are saying, well, the Switch is only ports. But mm-hmm. then on the other side of that, you've got the segment of gamers that are going, yeah, the Switch has a bunch of ports. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's yep. like there's, this, there's this sort of... Um, this sort of like uh, ubiquitous idea that's like, oh, uh, yeah, that's great. I really like your game. When is it coming to Switch? Because that's the only place that I want to play it. And yeah. I think well, that, that that sort of mentality has sort of bolstered the Switch in terms of like, well, eventually everything will come to this. So Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there was, there was a long time where a lot of us were like, yeah, just put it on Switch. Just put everything on Switch. Right. And now we're getting so much stuff that it's like, all right, well, maybe we don't need that game on Switch, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. know? So like maybe calm down a little bit. I yeah. was very impressed with um, also Super Meat Boy doing really well on yep. the Switch in like, I think, a week. And um, like that just... Um, improves like the value that a switch holds like for developers too because it's like it's, Super Meat Boy came out when like 2010 yeah on yeah, Xbox 360 11, yeah. and I yeah. keep I keep planning to do this for up at noon I want to put together like a sort of and, and I can't keep up with it because it happens every week uh, a sort of like long segment based on the massive first day and first week and first month successes that indie games have had by coming to Switch for the first time yeah. uh, the Meat Boy dev specifically said yeah. that the numbers that it did day one on Switch almost met the numbers that it did in initial launch on Xbox 360. Yeah. And that's when that game had all the attention in the world. People were watching it for the very first time. And here we are, you know, what, past half a decade later, and yeah. it's still cleaning up. It's got it's a bigger, kind of amazing. It's got a bigger install base and a base that's like hungry for games that they haven't played yet. Yep. And that's the thing, like, you, you're bringing over a lot of these older ports, but a lot of these people that are Nintendo fans or people that weren't traditionally gamers or haven't been since, like, 64 or GameCube are now playing catch-up on games like yep. Meat Boy, right? Like, yeah. But also catch-up catch on, on the Meat catch Boy. Catch-up on Meat Boys. <laughs> Top notch. How to do it. But, um, yeah, I think that I think that it's, it's a, a case of, like, well, I never got a chance <laughs> to play it. Like, I know personally I bought a bunch of games on Switch just because I've never played them. Like, I miss them in their first iteration. Right. So. You know why you didn't? Because because you, like everyone else here at this table, is didn't own an Xbox. <laughs> no, because historically, and I'm going to call everyone out on this, historically, Nintendo fans did not buy third-party games. Aside of a few every year, yeah. we didn't. Yeah. They, we bought first-party games, and we bought third-party games on other platforms, because yeah. there was never really a reason to. The Catch-22 there was that like ports of games coming to Nintendo platforms were usually not great. So uh, it was a chicken and egg of like, why support them if it's not good? And what, they won't make more if we don't support them. Yeah. And now we're in this good spot where the ports are really great. Everything's working out and people are supporting them like crazy. And it's, I could not be happier. Well, then yeah. you, I, feel, I feel like maybe this is more niche, but like, I also feel like there's repeat offenders like myself that will buy a second, a, a game that they've already played elsewhere oh, yeah. just to have it on their Switch. Yeah. Like... Uh, I'm excited to play uh, Night in the Woods when it comes to switching on oh, February 1st. Yeah. Like that was one of my favorite games from last year. Now it's portable. Great. Yep. I bought Oxenfree, the same deal. Like Dark Souls is coming to the Switch and that's a game that I've already played, but like I just the uh, the ability to play it on the go wherever I want. Like I I'm going to Japan in February and it's like I wish that I had Dark Souls then. I would mm-hmm. take it with me and play it the whole way there and back. So, um yeah, I I think that 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 those factors alone like way like you're saying you're not surprised at all like that way yeah. justifies the the uh the numbers you know yeah totally i mean like you were saying just having 
those third-party games that a lot of us may have missed before because we are Nintendo fans and having them um, now on a portable console is just incredibly enticing. For someone like me who did miss um, games like Wolfenstein 2, I still haven't played that, but I'm going to play the crap out of it on Switch once oh, it yeah. comes out. So. Exactly. But let's talk more about some games that we are playing this week. Um, one game that I've been playing a ton of and I actually just reviewed it uh, is Inner Space on Switch, uh, but it's also available on PS4, Xbox One, mm-hmm. and PC. And I know, Brian, you played a little bit of yeah, this Yeah, I played well. a couple hours. Yeah, so this is, this is kind of a cool game. Uh, it's a flight exploration uh, narrative driven steam yeah yeah type you're doing, of no, you're doing flight it. game yeah yeah, it's, yeah it's so hard <laughs> so no, you're reminiscent flight yes so, <laughs> yes yeah so it's it's a little bit like abzu but to me this game is way more abstract and there isn't too much uh guidance or player guidance yes. so you spend a lot of time just sort of figuring out what you're supposed to be doing or what you need to do. Like, the game does tell you um, you need to... Like, the the general basis of what you're doing, but as far as solving puzzles and opening up clues, um, that's all based off of your own intuition. Yeah. Like an I love the art right. style. The art style itself is absolutely breathtaking. Um, but, like, as you can see, there's different sort of planes. They're called airframes in the game. So there's different airframes that you can acquire, um, which is really cool. Like, that one in particular is really fun to fly around if you're watching mm-hmm. on screen that's called the astral key yeah this is a oh, weird beautiful game it's uh it feels kind of like a fever dream it doesn't really <laughs> punish you for getting lost or screwing up or dying there isn't really combat per se like there's some right. of it but uh it feels like flying around inside of a lava lamp yeah like it's just bizarre and there's collectibles there's things you can do there's things that open up but like philip said like it doesn't really say like this is what you have to do next it sort of nudges you in a general direction but if you want something sort of like kind of hazy and weird and cool to explore on your switch like put some headphones in and give this one a shot um philip what did you end up giving this i actually gave it a 6.5 okay which is which is okay yeah it's okay i think that's literally is that literally okay it's literally okay Okay. yeah Um, so what what are some of the detriments like what didn't you like about it like like i was saying before it's so heavily intuition based that i found myself getting frustrated just trying to figure out what it was that i actually needed to do um that was my main gripe with it other than like other smaller things like the limited amount of collectibles there's no real reason to go back and explore the game after you complete it yeah. it's got a really short campaign as Na- well navigating the environments feels a little bumper carsy every now and then too. right like you'll yeah. kind of just smack around the walls until you figure out which way you need to go yeah right um how yeah, are the, how are the controls on the Switch? So the controls feel pretty good. Uh, it doesn't have motion controls. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. yeah, you just use. Um, I feel like with flying, that'd be really weird. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> Star Fox 64 3DS uh, both created and destroyed any chance Star of that Fox ever happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah. But overall, I mean, it's an okay game. If you if you're into exploration games, I I recommend it. Um, but if you're not really sure about this one, I would just hold off mm-hmm. for for like either. A, a drop in price or just skip it entirely. Yeah. yeah. I have one final question. Uh, yeah. Can you do a barrel roll? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Cool. There's no like Star Foxy maneuver. To, An like, animal doesn't <laughs> yell at you when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No barrel roll. You just, yeah. you just do it and nothing really happens. I just had to get it out of the way. Yeah. I have to ask. There's not a lot of animals in this game. <laughs> um, but another big game releasing this week is Darkest Dungeon, mm-hmm. which has been out on other platforms as well uh, on PS4, Xbox mm-hmm. One. 
Steam. Yeah. Um, and now it's out on Switch, yeah. which is very exciting. And I know that um, I've played a little bit of it. Lily, you've played a bunch of this game. Yeah, this yeah. is, um, I think it's a. It's like an amazing graphical RPG that you don't really see often. Um, a little bit more on your darker side. Oh, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Hence the name. <laughs> the name, yeah. But um, I really like it. I think it's a different uh, type of way of playing, like, the RPG style. So, it's obviously, it's a turn-based RPG, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a little bit... It leans towards like heavier, more complex mechanics. I would yeah. say it's not really like a jump in and and play game unless you really understand uh, RPGs. The, yeah, yeah, unless you really understand like yeah, deep RPG mechanics. I would suggest someone plays if they've played RPGs consistently. Mm-hmm. I would then step into this one. Um, they don't like the tutorial. There's not really much of a tutorial. There's a little bit of a light know? tutorial. Yeah, like it's I played light, through, but I feel like this game needs like a more in depth tutorial because if you look underneath, like there's so much like, you know, like attack damage, like what you can do, like your dodge percentage. Like there's a lot of the like information on mm-hmm. the screen that you don't also see. Like you have to complete quests, do all these things, like. It's a a very dense game, yeah. but that's that's okay, right? Because like I'm I'm replaying Bloodborne right now, and I forget how much of that game is just sort of just like uh, figure it out or go read a guide. Yep, you know, like they, the game doesn't actually like, nudge you in the I direction. I feel like this is that type of like game. Like mm-hmm. this is like the Bloodborne of RPGs, where it's like you either you're gonna get it or you know go read a guide and figure it out. Right, I mean, technically. Bloodborne is the Bloodborne of RPGs. <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like Darkest Dungeon is a really cool game because it, it does some things that that traditional RPGs do, but it does it in a way that's really interesting. Um, first of all, it's tough as nails. It's like really super difficult. Oh, yeah. um, and it, it introduces elements like hunger or faith mm-hmm. or, I mean, um, fatigue like that carry over into the non-dungeon segments of the game. So, like, you can have... Um, There's, like, a hub world, right? Yeah, yeah but, yeah. like, you can have, like, characters that are, like, monks or priests in your party, and they'll lose faith. And so that means that their attack goes down and that some of their, like, a lot of their attributes go down. Or you can have uh, uh, party members that have been in the dungeons too long, so they get hungry and then they get depressed. And, like, you have to figure out a way to, like, cure these other, like, long-term status ailments to make your party effective in the dungeons. And that, in and of itself, is, like, a secondary challenge, almost in the same way as, like... the social links and persona are a secondary element to that game. Right. Um, well, essentially it's like the sanity effects from something like eternal darkness or something. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, totally. but it, it's characters it's, start to lose it a little it's, bit. Yeah. But it's less so like it's more, it's more, um, yeah, the effects are more straightforward than it is in eternal darkness where eternal darkness has those sanity effects to mess with you, the player. Yeah. This is like for your party at large and it's, it's yeah, for the overall m- more so of an obstacle than it is of like a, a puzzle to solve. Right. right. And, so. and not only that, but like, I think you get up to 25 characters, but, um, one of the biggest things that I realized with this game is that when a party member dies, like you never get them back. Yeah. It's permadeath. Like you lose yeah. like permadeath. So it's pretty, um, like you have to really think about what you're doing. You have to critically decide like how to make sure that the overall party survives going into every single dungeon that you go into. So it's a critical thinking RPG. Mm-hmm. Really so you're, the mind. You're playing this now. Yeah, I'm currently playing it. I've I've played about half an hour uh-huh. last night and I played it on Switch. So I can confirm it has full touchscreen controls. Well, that's cool. Which is cool. You don't ever have to have the joy uh, the Joy-Con on there. Interesting. So, yeah, and it works really well. Um but I 
spent most of my time actually playing with the Joy-Con just because I prefer that. But I feel like it it's a, pretty much a straightforward port of what I've seen played on PS4 and PC and all that stuff before. The full game is there. I'm looking forward to jumping into it. I've already gotten my killed or myself killed like three times. <laughs> um, successfully completed the tutorial though. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about as far as I've gotten. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about just how everyone else is going to you know, feel about this game and, you know, what more uh, games like this we will eventually get on Switch. And that's out today. Yeah. It's out. Well, yesterday, I guess, if you're listening yesterday. to this on Friday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some more new game releases coming out this week. Um, in addition to Darkest Dungeon and Inner Space, uh, some more games that came out, Gun House, Energy Balance, Nightmare Boy. I played a little bit of Nightmare Boy. Did you guys try out Nightmare mm-hmm. Boy? I've, I've seen a couple of trailers floating around. Like It's like a cool like platformer. Yeah, like it's a, like a Metroidvania uh-huh. style platformer. Yeah, I wasn't into the art style at all. Yeah, yeah, it looks. It's got a very '90s vibe. Like it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like um, the term animatic, which is like when yeah. uh, animation is very, very in its rough stages. Mm-hmm. No offense to them, but that's just how I. Yeah, think yeah, yeah totally. I, th- I mean, I think that's kind of what they're going for, right? They're yeah. going for this very um, sort of hand-drawn, crude kind of high school angry kid on the notebook paper type of thing. So <laughs> and it's working, right? It's just yeah. not. It's not for me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've drawn enough angry stuff in the margins. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a Metroidvania game, so if you're looking for a decent Metroidvania, check that out. Um, also releasing this week, Link Apix Color and Oser the Hollywood Roast and Oser the Insult Simulator, World to the West, Nuclean, Vesta, and last but certainly not least, Kirby Battle Royale on 3DS. So if you're still holding out on your 3DS, if you still have it, which I'm sure you do, um, and you're a huge Kirby fan, it's releasing this week. Pick it up. We don't actually have it in the office yet. Really? What a shame. Yeah, so I haven't played it. Um, that's going to be like a thing that we get on release day. Yep. So yeah. Yep. yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out, though. So it's going to be fun. Uh, but this that means it's time for Question Block. So um, this email comes to us from our email, nvc at IGN. Dot com and it's from Ryan W from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Ryan says, "Dear NVC crew, I just finished watching the introductory video for Nintendo Labo, and first, and my first instinct was to reach out to the NVC group and share my thoughts and questions. I first want to say I'm blown away by the creativity and pure joy these cardboard creations will bring to Switch. That said, do you think that Nintendo will actively search to partner with Lego or other building block companies to create Labos that reach an even broader audience? I'm so excited to see Nintendo continue to implement amazing concepts with the Switch. Thanks so much for reading. Looking forward to hearing your reactions this Friday. Aren't they already so. partnered up with Arby's? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I was actually I was concerned about the Arby's Twitter account yesterday. I'm I like, this too. is their like, whole thing. I was like, did they what take they the guy now? who creates all of the cardboard? Seriously. And was like, we need you for Labo. Yeah. <laughs> While over on Arby's Twitter, they've uh, released like a full marble sculpt of the Labo. Yeah. They just got to go in a completely different <laughs> They're direction. They're like, we got to step it up. Well, the skin right, top. I guess this is how we cover this. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't see that happening. I, I'm yeah, still holding same. out for Nintendo to partner with Lego in a more traditional way and just do like Zelda and Mario sets. Like that just seems like a basic thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like we said earlier in the show, I think people are going to make their own. I think it's very obvious that people will start making, if they haven't already, start making uh, sort of shells and cages and places to keep their Joy-Cons out of Legos, out of other uh, other materials, 3D printing and stuff like that. Right. Um, I don't see them 
partnering them with them in any f- official capacity because I think what makes this special is is the cardboard is the fact that it is so um, understandable and tangible and that the barrier for entry is so low aside from the three hundred dollar system and the extra joy cons and stuff like that. Lego is expensive. Pear was on the show earlier talking about his eight hundred dollar Millennium oh, yeah. Falcon. Like <laughs> yeah. it's not cheap, man. So. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think it. I think it'd be wiser for Nintendo to stick with the cardboard aspect of um, Labo. But at the same time, I could totally picture people like three D printing their own like light gun version of yeah. a Labo kit, and just to have that sort of like hard feeling type of thing that they're they don't have to worry about it breaking. Like they can just I, toss it around like a controller. I'm just imagining that people are going to uh, mod their cardboard boxes, maybe like figure out how. Um, Nintendo makes it work and then mod it into like using Legos or using like a different type of material like 3D printing um, and kind of incorporate the cardboard box Mm -hmm. feel into it. I don't know like but all I can think about is just modding. That's oh, like th- yeah. over time. Yeah, I think, People are going to be really into that. I think it's yeah. built for kit bashing. Yep. Yeah. Um, this kind of stuff. I mean we're already seeing it happening with I mean Brian has a Super Nintendo themed uh, uh switch deck on his on his desk yeah. which is the the most base level right like just throwing a decal on there but i think that 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 the a lot of the interesting stuff from labo comes from from that sort of modding and kit bashing and i don't necessarily feel like nintendo is a company that needs to partner with somebody else to get that message across like, right yeah. like it would be more honestly almost more beneficial for lego for nintendo to partner with them in that respect because mm-hmm. this is a corner of the market that Nintendo has basically just created for themselves, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. introducing a variable to that, I, I I feel like it would almost be detrimental mm-hmm. to the overall brand. But yeah. yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see people make their own um, because when I first started seeing the shapes of these things, I was like, that reminds me of like '90s polygons. Yeah. yeah, like it looks like Mario sixty four or Metal, Metal Gear Solid or something like that. And I think that if if you look at something like uh, like I don't know Donkey Kong's bazooka thing that he uses in some games, like we saw a bazooka at the end of the trailer. I don't know if you guys caught that. Yeah, like this dude cocks back a, a bazooka, and it's yeah, just made out of cardboard. Inside. And yeah. it's like, why not make one of those that looks like something from Smash Brothers? Or like, why not make a Master Sword? Like, I think people will start to reverse engineer the things that we see here. Like. The the small car, why not make a Mario Kart, right? Like, yeah. see what works. Um, there's so much room there, and kids are smart, and they're intuitive, and they're artists, and that's when people create and paint and draw and sculpt and cut and scratch the most is at that age. So, like, yeah, bring it on, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited to see, like, what kids do with this and, like, like take it and run with it. And, um, yeah, like, it's all about just intuition and, like, all about science and creativity and this, like, and video games and this further propels like yeah. the advancement of that with kids. This also gets them <laughs> it gets them into like science classes, right? It gets oh, Nintendo yeah. into like bookstores or and robotics. edutainment and, and robotics, yeah. yeah. Like it gets them into weird corners of like of like conventions that they're not at already. Right. You right. know, like it it's so interesting. It also means that like, I don't know, like Girl Scouts can partner with them and be like, the box of cookies turns into a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> gun Scout cookies. Have fun. There you go, people. You yeah. heard it here first. Girl <laughs> Scout. <laughs> gun Scout cookies. All right. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We're a weekly show on IGN.com, but you can also find us on YouTube and any of your favorite podcasting services. So definitely make sure you're subscribed if you aren't already. So Lily, where can people find you at? Uh, You can find me on the MVC podcast forums and uh, Cool Cat Lily Z on Twitter. Brian? 
Um, and Agent Bizzle, you can also catch me on the podcast forums. I'm also on Podcast Beyond and up at noon every week here at IGN. Awesome. And Zach? I sit over by the windows. Um, <laughs> and my Twitter handle is at Zachariasty. Cool. And I'm at Philip Mewson, and we'll see you next week.